unexplained phenomena, unknown entities, unidentified flying objects, mythical creatures and secret conspiracies. This radio show presents information based on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to present some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. You're listening to the Paranormal Pulse podcast. Now, let's get this show on the road.
I would like to thank our house band, the Insane Clown Posse. So ladies and gentlemen, this oddity is known as Lance Phillip, and this is the greatest show, the Paranormal Pulse Podcast. How you doing folks? Uh, telling you, we are on a roll. We had some great feedback for the last episode, and we're happy to be here to do this episode. I am really happy we have some good topics today. We're going to talk about the Kelly incident of 1955. Um, the Kelly incident was took place in Kelly Hopkinsville, Kentucky, um, obviously 1955 where a supposed uh, UFO landed and attacked a home. And the folks in the home battled it out with uh, rifles and shotguns with the aliens. So we'll leave it there. We'll come back to you more about that. Then we're going to talk about science versus pseudosciences. What, what exactly science does compared to pseudosciences and how we as investigators really deal with pseudosciences more than science but also how some of other things in pseudoscience came about uh some interesting facts and you know we're going to talk about that uh it's not meant to change anybody's mind it's just to present some interesting facts about science and pseudoscience. So if you're someone who believes in the pseudosciences, it's not meant to stop you from believing it. And if you're someone who's very scientific minded, it's not going to make you go the other way, but it's going to present some things. Um, Then we're going to talk about internet ghosts. Ghosts of a different kind. And we'll get into that shortly. So, let's jump into our first subject. Okay? And that is the Kelly incident. Now, what happened was in August of 1955 in Hopkinsville, there was a young girl who was swimming in in a pond and she had seen her and her friends had seen a UFO above where they were swimming. It quickly disappeared and, and descended over the trees. Not thinking anything of it, they continued to swim. All of a sudden the little girl feels a hand with claws on it grab her and try to pull her under the water she fights it off gets out of the water they run they report it like anything else nobody really takes her seriously well a few days later um on this farm in kelly kentucky which is right there by hoppinsville at night a farmer is outside and he's working doing farming things outside i don't know exactly what he's doing but he was doing something outside and he notices this UFO land and land over the trees. He goes in and reports it to his father and, and mother, and they kind of 
laugh it off and they're like stop pulling your leg and, he, and he's like why would I make up this story why would I lie about this there's something that landed he convinces the father to go out and come with him to see what's there the father at that point decides you know what let's play it safe he grabs a shotgun because why would you try to communicate with anything that would be there just instantly grab a shotgun and shoot but that's a whole different story that's us as humans we'll go from there so the father and the son and it's an older son they go out and they go into the woods lo and behold they come across a being that's four foot tall described as having pointy bat-like ears glowing eyes grayish in color claws on its fingers and webbed feet what do they do they shoot it it gets blown back rolls down a hill father and son get scared they run the house they tell everybody to get down on the floor and remain quiet the son then grabs a gun and they're sitting by the windows well all of a sudden more of these creatures come towards the house they open the door they start firing they shoot through the window okay now the kids inside are in a panic the mother's in a panic another young son grabs a, a shotgun and he sees one climbing up on the window he shoots it so now we've got aliens that are shot this family's in a panic this goes on for a while where they're shooting at aliens the aliens keep coming towards the home well eventually it stops they don't see any more aliens a little while goes by they're in the house they're being very alert very careful and they hear noises on the roof as if something were climbing and they can almost hear like claws you know like scraping across the roof well again they see one in the window they fire again hit it it disappears basically they don't know they finally go outside and they can't find these things well they eventually report it to the police and the police come out to investigate the police and the FBI it makes the papers um, this is the term where little green men come from um, the Associated Press I believe or it might have been UPI the United Press International they decided that the creatures that the people saw were little green men and to this day that's you know the, the term little green men comes from the Kelly Hop, uh, Hopkinsville incident um, so the police come out they interview the family and they're convinced the family's telling the truth but they can't find any evidence they look around they find literally nothing other than some spent shell casings and they find an oddity a square bullet hole through a window through a window screen well what would make a square bullet hole at the time they didn't really have the forensics like they do now and it turns out that when they spoke to experts now in our day and time that 
the shell casing, the shell going out the window from a rifle, not the shotgun, the way it would have hit the window screen, because the window screen is segmented into little square sections, it probably, it or it would go out and actually tear out a square, not necessarily a round hole. So that's explainable. Now, the family to this day, the surviving members who were there, swear and they can tell you in very great detail what the aliens look like. They can tell you moment by moment. Um, obviously, a new, not obviously, but a new family lived there. They, it, um, the family that is there are relatives of the owners who were there before and bought the property. And they always had a, feel, a sensation and a feeling of... Um, of almost like a like a heavy feeling but they've never seen any aliens nothing's come back and even they believe that the family was telling the truth but there's no evidence now this case has kind of been forgotten about over the years you don't see it a lot in documentaries there was one television show called monsters of ufos that did a you know a one-hour episode on it and they interviewed the people who were involved they interviewed the historians the historians um, from Christian County which is the county where it took place uh, there's a lot of newspaper articles that they have they actually have um, radio audio from that time period when the owner of the house called into a radio station to answer questions about what he had seen and that's interesting enough because, you know, not a lot of that exists. And you can tell when you listen back that he was was telling his side of the story, but the radio broadcaster was kind of interviewing him tongue-in-cheek, so to speak, not taking it very serious. Um, it's amazing how much press coverage it's got. Now, mind you, it's 1955. We didn't have the glut of... UFO stories that we do now and that was just about the time um, if I remember right that the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still came out which you know is is where the um, UFO is seen you know hovering earth for several days before it finally lands in Washington DC and it makes contact now it's amazing because that's that's the time period when in the 50s when the UFO hysteria really started to kick up and these type of stories were very rare in the papers back then and this one had made national headlines yet today you don't hear about it it just kind of went away you can research it it's on the internet um, you can watch that documentary but it's just amazing how you know it, it just it really that story just went away people you'll see hundreds of documentaries on Area 51 and Hangar 18 and, and all that other good stuff. But, you know, Roswell. But this incident was considered possibly one of the first incidents where humans battled aliens. Now, I don't know what to believe on it because, again, they found really no evidence when they went out. It's just the family's word. And obviously something did startle the family because they did find the shell casings and the bullet holes and, and that sort of thing around the property. Was it their minds playing tricks on them? Was it their imagination? We'll never know. We really won't. 
you know. Um, now, there were some eyewitnesses to the UFO uh, that be, were outside of the family, and they all swear to it. I find that interesting that there were um, that there were witnesses who weren't part of the family who would attest that they saw this UFO as well. But no one can verify the family's story about fighting the aliens. So it's just an interesting story. Um, you know, something to check out if you're interested in that sort of thing. But that is really, it, it, by some it's considered the first human-alien battle, so to speak. You know, I don't know um, what the real story is. But again, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. So with that, we're going to take just a quick break and play a quick song uh, so I can catch my breath. So hold on, and we'll get that going. We'll be right back after a really short break. Hold on, folks. We are back. This is the Paranormal Pulse Podcast. And we're going to move on to a subject that I've always found interesting. We, as paranormal investigators, we deal a lot with what some people call science, but it's really not science. It's a pseudoscience. So what's the difference between a science and a pseudoscience? Let's sum it up this way. I'm not going to give the big, complex definition of what science is. I'm going to give you a quick one that really strikes home and makes the point. Science is, is this. How we know what we know and how we know when we don't know something. So what does that mean? In science, it's 
science is the how we can prove something. We know something's a fact, we can prove it. We can test it, the tests are repeatable, and come up with the same results. Now, the other big point is about science is that it will, it will prove how we don't know something. So you're saying, what does that mean? Well, what that means is we're, we're ghost hunters, we're paranormal investigators. The reality is using science, we can never prove ghost hunting and UFOlogy and cryptozoology to be true. We can only prove that it's not true. So what that means is no matter what, until we come up with some type of experiment, some type of where we can go in and produce an experiment, repeat it over and over again and get that same result, okay, we'll never be able to call it science. It will always be a pseudoscience. So what's the definition of a pseudoscience? Well, a pseudoscience is a claim or a belief uh, or a practice that is incorrectly presented as scientific, but it doesn't actually adhere to, uh, valid, to the valid scientific method. It can't be reliably tested and otherwise lacks scientific status. So, again, we as ghost hunters, investigators, whatever you want to call us, I mean, I know some people hate the term ghost hunters. I don't mind it. Um, we, we can, I can go on an investigation. I can investigate a home that is supposedly haunted. I can come up with an EVP. I can come up with a blurry photo of what I say is a ghost. But a true scientist will look at it and go, the only thing that proved was that there's a voice on tape. There's no proof that that's a ghost. So therefore, my result, even though it's a result based on a semi-scientific theory, we believe that ghosts um, can speak to us on a level that our human ears can't hear but can be picked up on electronics, hence an EVP. It's a theory we have, but it's a theory based on what? It's not based on a scientific principle. It's based on, on th the fact that we've done it over and over again and we've gotten these results, but we don't get these results every time. So it's not consistent. It's not consistent in the way that we do EVPs. So that's where the pseudoscience comes in. Okay, I'm okay with that because truthfully, empirical science, quote unquote science, will never buy pseudoscience. And the, th the reality is the more educated you get in science, it leaves you less susceptible to believing in pseudosciences. Now, the thing about that is when a pseudoscience eventually will gets proven to be true using the scientific method, it will no longer be pseudoscience, but at that point becomes science. And that's where the difference lies. So let's just tackle some pseudosciences or things, and, and it's not necessarily, you know, the thing about pseudosciences, a lot of pseudosciences are based on incorrect usage of scientific theories. 
Um, but well, we'll hold off on that. That's a long discussion. So let's talk about some of the popular pseudosciences. And this is one that I know my good friend Jennifer Wood will relate to, and that is crystals. There are a lot of people who believe that crystals hold all kinds of powers or they use to center powers. People have different beliefs on it. I'm a guy who is, I consider myself very scientific, but a while ago I used to wear a crystal probably for about four or five years every day. I believed it brought me luck. I, you know, I believed that it had a positive energy. But let's first take a look at why people believe in crystals the way they do. Thing to remember is this belief in crystals goes back to um, ancient times with ancient peoples before we had science and experiments and we had knowledge of gravity and things like that. So what drew people to crystals and believing that they had power? Okay, well, the basic background on this, and, and again, this is debatable, but this is, this is the belief, is that crystals were the first transparent solid that people found. It was different than every other solid. You could see through it. So it must be different in some way. It must hold some power. Back then, people could see stars in the sky. They could see planets. They could see the sun. They had no idea of gravity and the way the earth rotated or even the shape of the earth. So what ancient man actually believed is that those things in the sky were suspended in crystal. And crystal is what held it in place because it, it was a clear solid and it could hold things. So they believed that that crystal had the power to do all these things. And that is where the original belief system of crystals comes from. Now, over the years, people, again, have used crystals in different ways. We have people who are into crystal skulls. Jen, I'm looking at you. Um, you know, and, and for them, it holds a big, big um, belief and it, and it holds power. Well, it could be true. It may not be. I'm not here to say whether it is or not. I'm just here to point out that that's where the belief in crystals came from. But now let's go to where it's a pseudoscience. Again, I'm one of those people, for about four to five years, I wore a crystal. I believe that it had some type of power. Um, but then at some point, my crystal broke. I didn't replace it. Now, my one theory could have been, well, it doesn't ha I'm not wearing it. I don't have that power anymore. It doesn't have that power over me because I'm not wearing it. Um, but I noticed things in my life didn't change. My luck didn't get any worse. My job didn't get any worse. My relationships didn't get any worse. I didn't feel any worse. So it started me believing. Was the power within the crystal? And that's why I felt good when I was wearing it. And that's why I felt like it had all these benefits. Or was it really just in my mind? And now, I'm, now I don't have any more. The results are the same. And now instead of believing the crystal, I believe the power is within me. So 
where does it lie? And that's, that's kind of where the pseudoscience comes in. We have science would tell us that there's no way crystals can hold energy. They can do tests on it. They can put it in labs and, and there are no results that are going to be found. So again, that's where the pseudoscience comes in. So again, I'm not telling you crystals don't work or they do work. I'm just showing you different ways of thinking about it. Now let's take everybody's favorite controversial device, the Ouija board. Again, when I was young, I used, as I've talked about on the show before, I used the Ouija board with my grandparents, or not just my grandparents, my granddad. Um, I felt it move. I saw it move. But did it really? And I'm going to tell you about some an experiment that they did in a lab over time. And that was, they took a Ouija board. Now, there are different ways people use it. Some people will put it on a table. But there are other people who put it across their knees. And they sit face to face with their knees up against each other. And they put the Ouija board on their knees. Um, I never did it this way, but it's been done this way. And what they found was, and this makes perfect sense, that the planchet would move based on how people shifted their bodies and their legs. But the people would believe that the results, oh my God, it's moving. But science told us, no, it didn't move. It only moved because the level of the board shifted. Now they did another test where they put it on a table and, and they did it the typical way that you would do a, you know, a Ouija board session. And they would put four people with their hands on the board. And ironically, the same mistakes these people made in spelling in their own lives, the spirits were making the same mistakes in spelling. So what that was showing is that the spirits weren't talking, it was these folks. And these folks would misspell a word. And of course, that would the spirit would misspell it. So was was it the spirit that was misspelling it and they were coincidentally coming up with the same misspelling on the board who knows but that's i think that's a very telling thing that the same spelling results that the people had on a spelling test that they were giving prior to was the same as spelling mistakes they were making on the board now this is the ass kicker and the one that befuddles me because again, I did use a Ouija board and I saw it do things that I can't explain. But again, I, I still to this day have trouble believing in it. Um, and what they did was they took a group of people who were blind and they put them at the board and they tried to do a Ouija board session. Guess what? Blind people can't use the Ouija board. They got no results that made any sense. No spelling of words, no properly answering of yes and no questions, no answers that corresponded with numbers. Hmm, that makes you think. These bl blind folks couldn't see the board, so they couldn't influence it to come up with words, numbers, yes, no. Find that very interesting. 
But people will believe in the Ouija board and they'll tell you how evil it is or some people will tell you it's not evil, it's just a tool. Does it work? Again, I'm not here to say yes or no. I'm just here to present, you know, some findings that they that they found with the Ouija board. Now, a couple of interesting things when it comes to pseudoscience. One of the big fields of science is neuroscience, which is a study of the nervous system. And what they're finding is that we have done very little research over the years into neuroscience. There are parts of the nervous system and parts of the brain that we obviously don't know what it does. We know the, the nervous system carries electrical impulses through the body. Okay. Um, but they believe, and this is kind of cool because this is goes into science. You know how people talk about dream interpretation and how they can interpret dreams and they can remember, you know, interpret what people remember from their dreams. What if I were to tell you that in the future, there will be a way to hook up a device to your head in some way that will be able to read your electrical impulses um, through your nervous system and will be able to project what you're dreaming onto a screen. It sounds freaky, but as they do more experiments in neuroscience, which is an actual science, they're going to be able to do this. This is going to be able to unlock a lot of what some of our paranormal uh, phenomena is. People who have dreams where people come to them um, or where people are in bed and they're visited by uh, relatives who speak to them and tell them a message. We'll be able to know, did that really happen or was it in a dream? And over time, as neuroscience really advances, it's probably not going to happen in the next 20 years. It's probably going to take 50 to 100 years, although with the way science progresses, it may be sooner. But they'll be able to see what caused that dream. What in your brain caused that dream? Or was, was that were you interpreting an outside signal? And that's going to be a real eye-opener. So I'll leave you with that. We're going to take a little break. Um, sit back and enjoy some popcorn while I take a little break to grab some water and come back with our next subject. So enjoy some popcorn and enjoy the intermission and we'll be right back.
Welcome to Intermission. We are back, and you are listening to the Paranormal Pulse podcast. So let's talk about ghosts of a different kind, and what those are, this is a fun segment, ghosts of the internet. You may ask, what the hell are ghosts of the internet? What they are is websuits, websuits, websites that have been abandoned, um, they haven't been updated in years, but for some reason are still active. They're out there. You can log into them and, and well, I don't know exactly why you'd want to log into them, but they're interesting. So we're going to start with a countdown of 17 websites that are still out there. And the first one is zombo.com it was started in 1999 and has been there the exact same way it was then so if you want a little step back in time go to zombo.com now I'm gonna open up zombo and have you hear it and kind of figure out with me 
what the hell Zombo.com is. Okay, now the site didn't want to open. All right, so forget that. We're not going to open it. Um, it. You know what? I'm. It's so old. I'm realizing it's not mobile friendly. You will have to open it from a computer. So, uh, the next one is Amanda Please from 2002. Not as old. And this is Penelope Tyant's obsession, and it hasn't waned. So, it's AmandaPlease.com, and it's through Nickelodeon, so I'm sure it's had something to do with one of their shows. Now, the next one I find really interesting, because it is a step back in time. It's from 1996. It's the Bob Dole, Jack Kemp presidential campaign. For some reason, people thought it'd be great to leave a failed uh, presidential bid online for the world to see. It hasn't changed since 1996. It's there in all its glory, just like it was then. Um, And I believe if you go there, there's actually a link to... um, other other political websites that came after um but the bob dole jack kent presidential campaign from 1996 is still out there for you to look at the next one is um argin i'm sorry argin.net and this was established in 2004 it's a shopping website it is very active the problem is they haven't updated this since 2004 they did add new products, but it looks like 2004. So if you want to know what the internet um, commerce looked like 11 years ago, go to arngren.net and you will be taken to a website that is severely outdated. Um, the next one is the Washington Post's year in review for 1996 it's still up there you can go back and read about what you were doing in 1996 where the country was where the world was back in 1996 don't know I mean I barely remember 1996 to be honest I'm sure I was in a drunken haze at that point so I might go back and read the whole site just to kind of catch up with what I did that year now this is another fun one from 1996 For those who love fantasy baseball, the USA Today Fantasy Baseball homepage from 1996 can still be found online. So if you're hoping that Fred McGriff, Greg Maddox, Tino Martinez, or Mo Vaughn are going to be making a comeback, they won't. But you can imagine that they are in the USA Today Fantasy Baseball homepage from 1996. Now, remember Netscape? Netscape may be gone, but the Welcome to Netscape page is still there from 1994. So if you want to see what the original communications website looked like, well, Netscape's still there. Um, The whole thing is, though, unlike today's websites, you can only navigate it by highlighting or, or single clicking on any blue or, or purple word in a phrase. 
And that's interesting because it's only going to steer you to certain pages. You're not going to have the ability just to type in what you're looking for. But the original Netscape welcome page is still there from 1994. Now, this is a great one because anybody who's old enough to remember will know where they were during the O.J. Simpson trial. Well, the CNN's O.J. Simpson trial page is still there. You can read about the O.J. Simpson case from 1996, the highly controversial case. Um, You can relive all the fun. You can read about the trial. You can read about the verdict. You can read about the evidence. I mean, it's all there. You could just relive that trial. You can imagine yourself being in the white Bronco. It's still there. Just floating ghost. Now, here's another one. This one probably doesn't really need to be updated and will still work. Um, And that is the Klingon Language Institute from 1996. Um, Right from the beginning days of the internet, you were able to be a Star Trek nerd. And if you want to learn Klingon, well, the Klingon language hasn't changed. That's been developed for years. Um, So you can go there... It's a website from 1996. Now, the only thing is, it still looks like a website from 1996. But you can go and learn the Klingon language. And that is the Klingon Language Institute. Another one that's out there is the Robert De Niro page from 1999. So if you want to stay updated to what Robert De Niro was doing 14 years ago, you go to his page. It hasn't been updated since. It's the Robert De Niro page. And that is, it's deniro.jvlnet.com. So again, that's deniro.jvlnet.com. And that is the Robert De Niro website from 1999. So if you really do want to keep up. Now, the next one is, this is an interesting one. Apparently in 1994... There was concern that strawberry Pop-Tarts would become blowtorches if left in the toaster for too long. So there's actually a strawberry Pop-Tart blowtorches website from 1994. Again, it looks like 1994. It hasn't been updated. But if you really want to, the website is... I'm going to spell it out. It's P-M-I-C-H-A-U-D.com. Okay, and that, again, is for strawberry Pop-Tart blowtorches. It's got pictures, um, how they made the blowtorch out of a Pop-Tart. I I didn't know this was a thing. I don't even remember that as being a thing, but apparently it was a thing. Now, everybody remembers, or maybe not. I don't know why you'd remember it, but there was a movie called You've Got Mail from 1998. Well, for some reason, Warner Brothers. Hold on, I gotta fix the fix the audio again. Okay. So, for some reason, they thought it would be a great idea to leave the website for you've got mail. Um up after all these years um, 
if I remember right, it was a horrible movie. I don't know. I'm not, was never into those type of movies. The next one is the Fog Cam. It is the San Francisco Fog Cam. Um, it is the oldest continuing, uh, continuously running webcam on the internet. Um, it, it's a view of San Francisco State University and of the courtyard, and you can watch the fog rolling in and out. It's been up there since, again, uh, 1994. I'm curious to see if they upgraded the fog cam at all. The website obviously hasn't been updated. Now, this is a fun one. This is another sports ghost. Three Rivers Stadium. No one can forget the home of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the problem is Three Rivers Stadium was torn down in the year 2000. But this website that went up in 1998 is still there for the world to see Three Rivers Stadium. So if you're feeling nostalgic for old Pittsburgh uh, Steelers and old Pittsburgh Pirates, um, then, then go there. Go to that website, Three Rivers Stadium. And that is threeriversstadium.com. Three with number three, riversstadium.com. And you will step back in time to, to 1998, really. Then there's another one. And this one is, again, the oldest question and answer uh, relics website on the, uh, on the internet. This is before Google, this is before Jeeves, this is before Siri, this is before, you know, uh, any of them. It is called Ask Dr. Internet, and this was started in 1996. You can ask questions, and you will get answers. I don't know if it's been updated since 1996, so your answers might be a little bit outdated. Um, but yes, that's still there. The next one is from 1998. And this comes from when Microsoft uh, made its users install Internet Explorer 1. Inter think about it. Internet Explorer 1. Internet Explorer has gone away. It's been replaced this year in Windows 10 by Microsoft Edge. So this was 1998. And this website is called Internet Explorer is Evil. And it tells you about all the evil and satanic things that come with uh, Microsoft Explorer 1 and that is from 1998 so if you really really want to step back in time go check that out find out why Internet Explorer 1 is evil alright enough of that now this is the most fun one does everybody remember a movie from 1996 with the Warner Brothers characters Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck Gossamer all your favorites, Porky Pig. Everybody remember these? It was a little basketball movie in space called Space Jam, co-starring the world's greatest basketball player, Michael Jordan. Take that, LeBron James. That's right, Michael Jordan was the best. Although I kind of like Magic Johnson better. All right, the long story short. Um, but it's not... Go too far into that. It's not a sports talk show yet. Yet. Okay, so... Space Jam, the website, is still there. The original website from 1996. It has the starry background, the cheesy 16-bit graphics, and Michael Jordan, of course. So it's, it's like 1996 
it's like a time capsule to that. You can go around, you can surf it, and have some fun. Again, visiting Space Jam. You can go watch the movie again. It's great. So, okay. We're going to play one more quick song, come back, and wrap up. So, take a listen to this one.
just wanted to say happy birthday to the one and only Gene Simmons of Kiss, hence why I played a Kiss song. Today is his birthday. Um, he's out there going strong, so his Kiss makes me happy. Okay, so it's that time of year. It's the return of the paranormal reality TV shows. We had, on Saturday, uh, Ghost Adventures came back. Tomorrow night, we will have the return of Ghost Hunters. Um, interesting. Uh, for people who like Ghost Mine, Kristen Lumen uh, from uh, Ghost Mine will be joining the cast of Ghost Hunters. That came out this week, and I found that to be an interesting surprise. As well as... Um, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a nice addition to the cast, I think. I liked her on Ghost One. I hated the show because I didn't like the premise of the show. But I liked the cast of the show. I just didn't like the premise of the show. And I thought I would. If you, if you go back and listen to when that show came out, I thought it was going to be a good idea. They took two show, you know, two topics that were really hot at the time, ghost hunting and, and gold mining shows. Both were running strong at that point. They decided to combine them. And for me, it didn't work. Um, I know some people liked it, but for me, I just didn't. It didn't work. It, it was a little slow. I found a little plodding, but I really thought they were good investigators. So it'll be good to see her on the cast of Ghost Hunters. I don't know if she's going to be there the whole season. Uh, I think I read that she's going to be there for certain episodes for the, in the beginning of the season, not necessarily the whole season, but we'll see. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the new dynamic in the cast. See how it works out with. KJ being back and with Dustin being back and then with Adam and Amy being gone and you know so that's going to be an interesting dynamic I did not catch the first episode of Ghost Adventures I recorded it have not had a chance to watch yet which is why I'm not really commenting on it I do want to say I think it's going to be interesting to see now that they've had a while away with you know away from Nick how they're going to run it more as a team dynamic because, you know, before when it was, and I know we had this last season, but with this current cast, but we had Zach, Aaron, and Nick, they were the big three. They started out by themselves and they eventually added Billy Tully, but Billy was always kind of in the background. Then Billy became more prominent over time, and then they added Jay Wazley, and then over time he became more prominent. And obviously Nick left. For whatever reason, I've heard different stories. Um, I've read different things, speculations, but there's been no official statement. Um, so I don't want to get into that. Um, I've had little birdies whisper certain things in my ear, and I don't know. Um, it's not something I want to talk about. It's just whatever, whatever it is, it is. But I want to see the dynamic now because it looks like from the commercials that it's more of a four-man team now as opposed to... Zach and Aaron being the go-to guys with the other guys being in the background, I think it's going to be more of a four-man dynamic. And I'm sure they're going to have guests, you know, investigate with them through the year because they always do. I'm interested to see some of the new technologies that they're going to be using uh, that, that are being supplied by Bill Chappell and Digital Dowsing. He has signed a deal to make some exclusive equipment for them. And then you know what happens. They air it, and then Digital Dowsing decides to sell it. And because people saw it on Ghost Adventures, they have to have it. Well, 
we'll see because some of the stuff I've looked at and I just have had no interest in some stuff I have you know and speaking of digital dowsing um, as you know I use a lot of their equipment um, some of it I find to be really good others I've used but you know I'm just not overly thrilled with but I did pre-order the Ovilus 5 and I've been wondering because the original it was set to originally ship the middle of August I didn't hear anything so I went on Twitter and I sent Bill Chapel and Digital Dowsing a message and they got back to me and they were really cool they messaged me and, uh, and they said that they would be putting out an update and, and I'd get an email well sure enough I get the email but slightly disappointed with the results of the email they are delaying the release of the unit apparently all the they're built the casings are built the hardware is built but they're still having um, not they may not even be having issues but the software isn't complete so obviously they're not going to send something out without the software being complete and I completely understand that at the same time I'm anxious for this thing I want to get it I want to put it through its paces I want to take it out on some investigations you know as you know we're getting into that busy season for us investigations you know the Halloween season this is where a lot of places open their doors to allow investigations that maybe wouldn't through the year um, a lot of, we get a lot of calls I've already gotten uh, some calls from a friend who's having some activity and I usually don't do um, you know, uh, um, you know, residential type of haunts, and although this isn't a residential, it's the haunting of a business. And but it's a friend, so I'm listening to everything, and I'm, I'm going to go through and, and see what I can find and what I can't see if I can help these uh, nice people out. And it's for a friend. Usually, again, I wouldn't usually do that. Usually, I like to stick to the historic stuff and. You know, speaking of which, we did a little bit of an investigation over the weekend uh, in Sandy Hook, New Jersey. We visited the Seabrook Wilson House, better known as the Spy House. Um, if you're not familiar with it, I'm going to go into detail about it in the next show. But you can look it up online. It's it's You can look up the Spy House or look it up by its name, the Seabrook Wilson House. Uh, it used to also be known as the Whitlock Seabrook House at one time it is considered very haunted uh, just real quick haunted by they say at least five spirits you can feel it when you get on the grounds um, it has been written in several publications as possibly being one of the most haunted places in the United States it has ranked in many lists in the top ten we went there, did a mini investigation, and got some interesting things. So we'll talk about it more next week. And the reason why I'm holding it till next week is because next week um, Jennifer is going to join me, uh, my partner in crime, my love of my life, and my my um, one of my ghost hunting partners. You know, my wife. Um, but we're going to talk. She's going to come on and, and co-host the show with me. We're going to talk about some of our investigations and. Uh, and we're going to go into that one because that's the most recent and then we'll talk about some others and we're going to have a lot of fun with that um, that's about going to wrap it up for this week we've already done more than an hour and I'm going to play you out with a song and this goes back to what we were just talking about the paranormal shows, the reality shows coming back and this song is called In My Dungeon and it is by the one and only 
Zach Baggins. What makes this song a little fascinating is that he uses EVPs that were taken in his home and on investigations in the song. So this very merry this very well may be the first song that features the sound of dead people's voices. Sounds a little creepy, but it's it, it plays interestingly into the song. So obviously we've all heard songs of people who were recorded alive and then passed away afterwards, you know, but this is EVPs of people who we believe are, are you know, spirits, uh, ghosts, and he used the EVPs in the song. So it's interesting. It's, it's a little bit of electronica uh, as far as the music, but it, it's decent. Take a listen and enjoy. Again, this is Zach Baggins in my dungeon. late in the night, almost 3 a.m., and I'm in the dungeon right now. It's pitch black, and it's time to see who else is here with me.
you like fucking with me?